This week on Ultra 64, we're playing Wet Tricks, Iggy's Wrecking Balls, and Rat Attack. Three games that prove that just because you're original doesn't mean you're good. Welcome, everyone, to Ultra 64, the show that is also original, but it is not good. Uh, we are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week, we are playing a different, randomly selected game from our collection of Nintendo 64 games. My name is Steve Gutling. I am soaking wet, Woody Siskowski. Oh, these man. games really did it for me. Man, let man, me say. We, are, we are dripping around here, yeah. let me tell you. Uh, today, we are talking about... Three kind of randomly selected games. This is uh, we, we, we always say random. Hat. We always say random. This is about as random as it gets. These are the games that don't really fit in with anything else. Uh, and and we, I feel like after playing this, I'm in. I I think I made a good decision you, by lumping you, these. What three you didn't together. want to do a rat attack episode? Uh, somehow <laughs> I don't think rat attack would sustain an entire episode. But all of these are very singularly. Be, be a chance for me to read my free form slam poetry <laughs> to fill some time. That's <laughs> another podcast. Yeah. That's on page. Rat everybody. attack. <laughs> what does it mean? Why attack the rats? What are they doing to deserve such a fate? Okay. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I love it. Groovy, groovy. <sighs> anyway, uh, today we're talking about three games. One is called Iggy's Wrecking Balls. <laughs> One is called Rat Attack. But I think we're going to start off today uh, and grab a bucket and a mop because we got that W-A-T, that wet-ass Tetris. <laughs> That's right. We are talking about Wet Tricks. Wet Tricks was uh, it released June 12th, 1998, developed by Z2 and published by Ocean of America. There's so much... First off, it's fun that uh, the company that developed this was called Ocean. Yeah, right. Um, oh yeah, it's good. But there nice, was huh? there was a lot of nonsense in what you just said. Like it, it, Wetrix developed by Z two. Mm-hmm. Like these are just nonsense words. They're all not. It's all nonsense yeah. words. Uh, this was also released on Windows, Dreamcast, and the Game Boy Color. Oh goody. Uh, so a little bit about Z two. You might be able to pick that out from their name, but they are a British company. They were founded <laughs> they by were, the they're a Canadian company. Uh, well, it could be Canadian. Yeah, certain parts of Canada. Uh, they were founded by the Pickford Brothers in 1996. Uh, they had a short and relatively undistinguished career as a developer. I, Wetrix was their first game, and sadly, this is probably the title they're best known for. And I'll tell you, it plays like a first game. It plays like a first game, and it plays like... Uh, I mean, I don't think this is the one I'd want them to put on my tombstone if I were to... <laughs> you know, well, oh, this is the person who put Wetrix into the world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they also produced the previously mentioned Taz Express, which is a PAL-exclusive Looney Tunes game on the N64. But other than those two N64 titles, they made a GBA game based on a children's show called Dragon Tales. I don't know. You don't know. That's like, I've seen that. That's like a weird cartoon with, I'm surprised you've never come across that. And it's like, a kid, I mean, I don't watch Nick Jr. as much as I should. As, <laughs> as a, a boy and a girl, like, get, wait, am I getting confused with like flaming dragons or something? Is a boy and a girl get like sent back to medieval times and they like befriend these dragon people? Yeah, I think it's all right. I think, okay. that's, that I think sounds it's right. Dragon Tail. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Either way, uh, they made a Game Boy Advance game based on that show. All right. They also made the a core facts. They also made a very generic PS2 shooter called Future Ta- Tactics, which I always see on like retro game shelves, and it looks really boring. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when people have bought all the good games off of the shelves, I think that's yeah, the at this point, the yeah. problem with uh, video game stores now is you go and you're like, oh look, there's some more Tiger Woods games. Oh good, <laughs> like, good. I didn't have Madden. Oh, yeah, good. you go look Wonderful. through the Super Nintendo shelf, and it's like more copies of Beethoven. <laughs> Wait, is that Beethoven the dog movie? Like, yeah, they, there's, there's a Super NES game yes. based on that. Okay, it makes sense. There was a Super NES no, game based Beethoven, on everything. No, it's Beethoven the deaf composer game. I mean, you know, there was Immortal Beloved, the Gary Oldman movie. I assumed it was based off of <laughs> yeah. that. You know, it's an action platformer. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, the company was dissolved in 2002. Shortly afterwards, evaporated. If oh, that's you will. true. Yeah, as if hit by a fireball. <laughs> Uh, shortly after, the Pickford Brothers formed Z3 Limited, and they focus mostly on marketing and distribution. So they're still making a living in the games industry, just not as puzzle- peddlers of wet puzzle games. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the, for the development of this game, this actually ties into a game we talked about recently over on Patreon.com slash Ultra64Pod. We were talking about canceled video games. and there's For one, the Nintendo 64, for specifically. The Nintendo, yeah, not just yeah. in general, because that's too big of a topic, but... 
Um, there was a game being developed called Vampire Circus, which was a Smash TV style top-down shooter that's set in a circus. Like which with also old-time sounds circus like characters. it could be the name of a hit uh, young adult-like uh, series of books. It's it's vampire the, Circus. Isn't there one? No, there's I, Vampire's I, Assistant. And Cirque there's Cirque du Freak. Freak. That, that's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- this was originally going to be uh, part of Vampire Circus. They made a demo of this game using the new water physics that they wanted to use in this game. And then they kind of had fun playing around with the water tool and they decided, well, let's, let's make this into a little game real quick and we can use that money to fund this game. That didn't really work. If you listen to our episode, that vampire circus game was eventually turned into Taz Express, a game that has nothing to do with vampires or circuses. Well, as far as we know, as far as we know, I can assume, but so the team was working on developing these physics and then they just kind of really liked the little mini game. Uh, there are a couple of different versions of this, but really the biggest difference is that the PC and the Dreamcast versions have different music and okay. uh, slightly better graphics. The Dreamcast version is called Wetrix Plus, in case you're looking for it on the <laughs> shelves and you can't find it, you know? Yeah, look, yeah alphabetically, move past all the W's and move to the W symbol section. It's like, I found Wetrix. I, I refuse to look one game more. I absolutely refuse. Um all right, so the gameplay here. So Wetrix is a puzzle game, as you yep. can kind of imply by its almost... By its tricks. T- I guess Tetrix. Wetris would sound... Does that sound worse or better? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Wetris. All... A Wetris is like a... Wet like is a... just not a, game, a title that you want in your game, as evidenced by the fact that nobody likes the game Wet. That's true. Like... Yeah, yeah. I don't even like saying the name of that game. No, I know. But Wetris sounds like a, an old-timey job title, like... That's the midwife and the wetress with the with the wet rags, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm serving you, my the lord. Roof is leaking again. <laughs> Call um, the wetress. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a weird trend of like p- the, the constant fear of like early in Square's career, like they just ported everything over to the United States under the Final Fantasy label, yeah. even if it was a part of a different series in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a similar thing of they're like early video game developers like, people aren't going to understand what a puzzle game is, but they like Tetris. So let's make sure that we put the Tris yeah. in everything, even if it has nothing to do with that. Like the game Tetrisphere. Yeah. Has, Which is not really a Tetris game. No, like, like it has you think shapes. Of it. it has shapes. Like, yeah. And this game is even, and there's a game called Hattris. Like, I mean, at, at least Hattris is from the makers of oh, Tetris. Okay. It's from the guy who made Tetris. So sure. he, but, but again, it doesn't really have any similar gameplay. You can't like TM like a part of a word, huh? I think <laughs> ma- Hattris is more of a match three kind yeah. of puzzle swap thing. But again, so, yeah. they just want that Tris in there because that's the, the Tris brand that people trust. It conveys it. It conveys it. You know, it, it gets it across. Like, I, mean, I knew this was a puzzle game before yeah, knowing anything about true, it. But so it, it's effective. Couldn't, I mean, this game could not have less to do with Tetris. No. Like, no. There's no blocks in this game. Not really. I mean, I guess some of your arrows come down in recognizable shapes yeah. that you could call blocks. But basically, what this is, it's like it's a terraforming puzzle game. Yeah. Which, when you say it like that, not a bad idea. No. I think you can you can have fun with this idea. Basically, what's what happens is you, you have a lot flat, of shapes. Flat, well, you have like an isometric view of this flat landscape that's mm-hmm. just total this square. Yes, and then you get some like blocks of up or down arrows Mm -hmm. that descend from the sky. You rotate them and place them where you want. If it's an up arrow, it's going to raise the terrain. If Mm -hmm. it's a down arrow, it's going to lower the terrain. And your goal is to try and seal in as much of this square of land so that water can't leak out. Eventually, you'll get a ball of water that'll come down uh, you'll when it hits your surface, you need to have it enclosed in a little lake or something. Yeah. If it's not, it'll start leaking off. It'll start filling this little drain meter you have off to the side of your screen. And if that drain meter fills because too much water has spilled off, you will lose. Uh, you have some tools to mitigate this. If you have a lot of water, it's all sealed in, but there's nowhere for it to go. Occasionally, a fireball will drop that will evaporate all the water it touches. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you'll f- get a missile which will drop out. And but the missile of, is bad. Like, it's you bad. Don't want the missile is bad. It'll take out a chunk of your terrain and it'll drill a hole in your land so the uh, water will sink out through the bottom of that lake. And occasionally you get little power-ups, like a little thing will come out that'll freeze. The, I, I guess they're powered down. Yeah, but I don't... They'll come out and they'll freeze your lakes uh, and then it'll make it more difficult to destroy them. It's like puzzle games exist in the realm of ab- abstraction. And, like, I sort of always get that. Like, it's never quite clear why in Tetras these blocks are dropping from the sky and why you have to turn them into lines. But somehow the fact that this game was sort of in the middle of, like, being something real and abstract, I found extra confusing. Yeah. Like, why 
why are you getting punished? Like, your goal is to destroy the water, but why are you getting punished for it falling off the edge? Like, there's just... There's no premise of what's going on here, and the fact that it's not just existing in some weird artificial dream world, but it's like, hey, water and landscapes are real things on Earth. I feel like I wanted some sort of bizarre backstory of what the hell's going on. Yeah, like these are, I don't know, there's a bunch of orphans underneath this that don't want to drown, so you have to keep all the water on this floating piece of land that you control because you're a god or an alien or something. I don't know, some, some kind of context. That's sort of the... I mean, I have a lot of problems with this game, but that Mm. I would say is the biggest one of the game does not do a good job of easing you in to sort of what it is and why you're doing what it's doing. Because it's not it's not an intuitive concept. Your only modes here. I mean, this is one of these puzzle games. This is a common thread on puzzle games. There's like a lot of modes, but they're all the same mode. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're they're just different levels of difficulty for the same exact mode yeah and so you're you're gonna start use classic option menu <laughs> beloved game mode option menu oh Our it should be noted ga- played game mode it is actually that's the first place we go yeah. like literally but i love that this game has spoken word uh menu options oh, yeah, so, like it's got fun. this weird robot computer voice so it's like options player one yeah and that's pro. another weird aspect of this game is like tonally it's odd because the landscape designs are very colorful like they do look like sort of the background of a vampire circus like sure they're, they're brightly colored and striped landscapes they don't look natural but the, and the void you're floating in is either like a blue sky or mm-hmm. it's like some kind of but trippy they, but design. they're bright is what i'm saying very like they don't look computerized like with tetrasphere it's like you're floating around in this black void right whereas this it feels like it should be bright and friendly but the voice samples are like multiplayer four lakes three Lakes. Yeah, so are you is this sci-fi? And then the little characters on the menu are like little kind of raindrop buddies with yeah. faces. So it's like a little bit cutesy, a little bit scary, a little uh, it doesn't really know what its tone is. No, and there there is like a training mode here, but it doesn't explain the game to you. The only difference with the training mode is the blocks don't fall. Like they're not constantly falling. You can just press A to drop them when you've placement so you get a little more time to think yeah but it's like the, the game, training wheels version you know the yeah. game just doesn't tell you like it's just not a natural assumption that like your goal is to encase water and then blow it up with fireballs and not let it drip off the side yeah like that's not immediately where i go to when i start booting up a game really right? oh yeah. that's that's usually the first place i go that's why that's why you the new god of war was so confusing you. i was you're you like know? where are these bu- where are my buckets that i use to fill up water you were we were playing tony hawk pro skater yeah. yesterday you kept it's like where flying is it around to be you skating around being like okay i know i need these buckets to catch the rain where's my fireball steve Steve, you're doing it wrong damn it (laughs) and then i learned a manual and that's how you control oh yeah 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 podcast pause everyone yes yes no important moment steve guntley has finally learned how to manual i learned i finally learned remake and again i still stand by my ignorance in that case the first game the one i played a lot didn't have that feature but now i'm a convert to the manual and the revert yeah for that matter love them both Anyway, uh, you can tell how excited we are by Wetrix because we're already <laughs> talking about Tony Hawk. Like, Wetrix, it took a while to figure it out, and then once I figured it out, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> you know, I think that's the problem it comes to because you're there's always going to be a gap. There's always going to be a gap in your barrier, and it's hard to see the gap. Like, there will be little arrows that appear that, like, start blinking yeah. if there's a place where it could potentially leak through. It's so weird that, like, what the description of the backstory of this game is, like, they were had fun playing around with the water physics, and they decided to build something around the water physics because water physics in this game might be the worst part of the game. Yeah. Like, that sort of ruins the game is the fact that the water does not look good by no. any means. Like, it just looks like sort of blue see-through, which I guess is kind of what water looks through in real life. Like, in real life. But there's no... It's so hard to tell the flow of it. Yeah. In this game, that's what this is all based around, is it's like being able to tell where that water is flowing so you know where to raise the landscape. And here you just, like... It looks like it's enclosed, but there's arrows on the side being like, you're leaking here. And so you drop some... I don't... Yeah, it's like the... Even if this game like played perfectly, I don't think I would enjoy it that much because I don't care about puzzle games that much. But the fact that like the core aspect of the game is contain the water and it's very hard to tell where your sort of leakage and holes are. Yeah. Makes it almost unplayable. It makes like, it very unpleasant. Yeah. And and you I don't know. So you're always things are always rotating. Sometimes you'll start getting down arrows, which lower the terrain. 
And I never quite knew what to do with those. Like, well, I mean, again, I think they're a punishment. And that's, yeah. that's a weird part of this game, too, is like 70% of the things you get in this game that are dropping are like punishments because you don't want water. No. Um, you don't want down, you know, lower your elevation and you don't want the missiles. No. But like those are often what are falling. And so it does get to a point like, I could see somebody being really good at this game and sort of being impressed by it because it does get to the point where things are falling very quickly. Yeah. You have to think very quickly about what to do, figure out where to drop that on your map, and you do kind of get into that puzzle game zone like when you watch someone who's very good at Tetras sure. dropping blocks quickly and you know thinking quickly. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it just the the graphical isometric view is just too hard. You if this game, honestly, speaking of HD remakes, like if this game was released on a newer console and like was really cleaned up in the way it looked and really made it clear where the elevations and holes were, I think it would be a pretty good game. I mean, even if it's not necessarily for me. But as a as a tech demo, as a demonstration for what water physics on the N sixty four looks like, this is I mean, we haven't talked about these games, but this is quite a bit below like Wave Race sixty four, yeah. Hydro Thunder, other games Mario that have 64. already Mario sixty four <laughs> right. games that came out quite a bit before this yeah. that got a better handle on it and didn't need to make a whole game to like toot their own horn, you know? <laughs> so yeah. And the multiplayer, I think we just, it's just kind of frantic and loud. And I think we both just got kind of bored. I mean, it's the same as the single player. It's just, I mean, it's like playing multiplayer Tetris. You just sort of survive in the last one standing, you know, who doesn't flood themselves wins. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't add any sort of new element. I don't think there's a way to sort of drop things on your opponent, which is always a fun interaction in yeah. games. Well, this game was definitely not a big seller. It was about 80,000 units on the N64, which is low, but considering of how cheap this must have been, since it was just like an offshoot of another existing project, they probably made some money off of it. There was actually a sequel to this released in 2000 on the PS2. It's called Aqua Aqua, and it was published by 3DO over here. I've never heard anything about this game or seen it on shelves, yeah. so I don't know if it's better <laughs> or not. It looks like they're going for a totally different tack. Like the little characters on the cover actually look like the guys from Fall Guys. Oh, okay. Like they have their little kind of anthropomorphic shy guys. I don't know. It, it looks cute, but I don't know if I'm going to bother with no, it. No, no. Pretty it's, sure I'm not. Yeah, this, this game, it just... I know that people do like this game as sort of a hidden gem in the puzzle library of the N64, but I think that it's vastly inferior to Tetrisphere, a game that you were pretty lukewarm on anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's, it's, it's a tough, I don't know, I wouldn't recommend this game. No, I wouldn't necessarily either. And I mean, you'll, you're going to see everything you need to see within a few minutes of it. But I mean, just, that's true you know, of most. That's true that's, of the original Tetris, but people it's still true, go back true. to it. It's just, I, I just didn't find the to use a, like, gameplay uh, design word, I didn't find the mechanics of this grokkable no. in any, like, sensible way. No, no, it, it doesn't make a good argument like, for itself. And I, I do think if this was a game that you really sort of took the time to understand the minutia of, you'd have a good time playing if you were really into, like, getting deep into a puzzle game. Yeah. But there's got to be way more puzzle games out there that are going to be more satisfying. They're definitely going to be better. Um, let's move on to our next game going chronologically, and that's a game called Iggy's Reckon Balls. <laughs> and for Reckon, you got to drop the W and you got to drop the G. Because, great. It's a great title. Man, it's right up have, there with Charlie's Charlie Blast's territory. They, they have no respect for your grammatical conventions and they have no respect for your attitude. This was released July 31st, 1998. It was developed by Iguana Entertainment and published by Acclaim, so the exact same people we talked about last week on our Turok episode. Nice. And this is an N64 exclusive. So uh, as near as I can tell, there's no real story here, or at least not <laughs> one that's important. Uh, the balls themselves are asked to kind of convey all the personality, and our main ball is Iggy, <laughs> and I did not actually realize that Iggy is the mascot from the Iguana logo that we were just commenting last week. How, oh, look, I love it when the Iguana logo pops he's, out and destroys things. But is he the Iguana? He's the Iguana. Oh, okay. Iggy the Iguana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. He's he's the the guy from the Iguana logo. He got his own, got his own game. But So, yeah, it's very weird. Like, these balls themselves are like, I guess they would be like weird not, like when you go to the super 
supermarket with your with your child and you need something to keep them occupied, there's like those big tubs of rubber balls. Oh, you're there's, talking about mad balls right now, aren't oh, you? Yeah, probably. you remember those with the faces? Like, yeah. They're kind of styrofoam balls, but they're like monsters or something. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, they, yeah, this, yeah that yeah. is kind of the look that these have. That is, yeah. They're just, they don't, they, I guess they do have an arm. I don't know where the arm comes from. Yeah, it's a very disturbing design. <laughs> yeah, but basically they're just a large face that rolls around on the track and they have a, a little arm that pops out every once in a while. Of the back of their head. Your other starting balls include uh, Charlie the Clown, uh, Gnarly the Jack-O-Lantern, Chatter, which is just a ball full of teeth, <laughs> uh, Rob Ert, which is a Russian robot, Sonny the Fireball, Amanda the Tough Chick, and QT the Pink Girly Girl. Great. And there are eight other racers that you could unlock by winning uh, modes in this. This game, like, we're sort of sandwiched between Wetrix and Rat Attack games that basically seem like they were developed by about two or three people. Right. Um, this game's got a lot of content. Like, it does seem like they really put effort into Iggy's Wrecking Balls in yeah. terms of putting stuff in there. Like, I mean, you said there there's like a 10, 11 racers. Quite a and few. And then um, I think there's about six different sort of cups yeah. in this game. And with, with, with quite 10 a few tracks levels. each. Yeah, quite so. a few. Yeah, well, I, I, there's actually about 100 different tracks okay. total. So there's even more to dig into. All right, so gameplay-wise, how do you describe these oh, Wrecking Balls? Yeah, what a weird... It's a, it's a platformer racer. It's a, pla- it's a 3D racing platform but it's not really the, 3d the developers like, describe this as a vertical racer which okay. i think is yeah, appropriate and a lot of the mechanics center around dun, 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 mm-hmm. the grappling hook oh man So many grappling hooks in the game. It's two in a row of acclaim and grappling hooks. Man, yeah, yes. acclaim iguana grappling hooks. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I, I'm, I, I let me just say, I am pleasantly surprised by the sheer uh, variety and mostly quality of the grappling hooks we've seen on the on Nintendo 64. 64. Yeah, there's quite a few, and they're all pretty good. So you, so yeah, what you do in this game is you up to four players. Y'all pick a ball to play as, and you start at usually the bottom, the bottom of these towers. Like yeah. you select a cup, which is the divided into 10 races um and then you sort of climb to the finish line and you can jump with a or press b to unleash your weird grappling hook arm mm-hmm. and to grab the platform above and pull yourself up um so a lot of it is just sort of frantically jumping and pulling mm-hmm. but to match like the design here it is a 2D plane, but there's a lot of things sort of coming in and out of the background, and this game has a lot of rotation yeah. to it. Think like Boulder Dash, or uh, uh, so it's like, it's not even Beyond fully... Boulder Dash? Yeah, it's not <laughs> even fully like a 3D game. It's just kind of like graphics being wrapped around like a cylinder, essentially. Yeah, that's a good description. It gets sort of harder, I don't know, as the mechanics get more complicated and the tracks get more confusing, there are times where it does really look like you should be able to grab onto something, but it's sort of out of reach in a weird way. Yeah. And that can be kind of frustrating. It can, yeah. So sometimes the uh, levels of the track are like raising up and down. Mm-hmm. And you need to wait for them to lower for you to grab it. Uh, and you can also use your little grappling hook arm to grab other racers mm-hmm. and trip them up. You and can make either a hilarious catchphrase <laughs> like "Out of my way!" Yeah, all See of them. Ya. All of them have a little voice. The uh, announcer kind of sounds like uh, Howie Mandel doing his Bobby's World voice, <laughs> like "One, two, three, well." Oh, uh, hor- that's a horrible voice. It's a terrible. Never voice. do that again. Well, oh. no, it's okay. I won't do it. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, you can grab your enemies, you can kind of slam them around, or you can spin around and throw them off the track yeah. entirely. Uh, and then you also find little power-ups every once in a while that let you leave bombs or get turbo boosts or things like that. Yeah, I mean, you always do. It seems like you always have a little turbo boost by pressing Z to sort mm-hmm. of put through the straight edges. Um, and then there's the gates that sort of fling you ahead like uh, in a ball, like Sonic. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog-style loops that take you really far ahead. What, what this game really reminded me of was the game Uniracers for Super Nintendo, if yes. you've ever played that game. Yes, um, yes, yes. That, is, that's a good comparison. Yeah, which is a, a fun sort of cute, obscure game for the Super Nintendo where it has a very good sense of speed and you kind of just play and see what happens like it's hard to sort of strategize on the track because it moves so fast and the obstacles sort of come out of nowhere yeah but it is still pretty satisfying in its own way because of how fast it plays and i think this game scratches a very similar itch yeah yeah Uh, i mean there's really not a whole lot else to say about the gameplay it's pretty simple in that sense it's just like 
jump and grab and try and be the first one to the top. It's a very it's a very hard game to describe because it is sort of unlike unlike any other game that I've played. Yeah. Like it's got a weird amalgam of elements. Like there are, you know, there are platformer racers out there um and but most of them are just totally 2D and most of them, you know, are horizontal. Yeah, yeah. And so this game is sort of turning a lot of stuff on its head. And I think I think the end result is a pretty unique game. Yeah. The gameplay I think is I mean it's very simple, so it's it's hard to believe like you would play this in the one player mode. So there's 10 we played Easy Street, which is your first cup. Mm-hmm. And there's 10 levels here and they're not none of them are particularly long, but by the time you get through 10 of them you are pretty sick of it. Oh yeah. Like um but it, it did remain consistently exciting and I think this game I found more engaging than a lot of the multiplayer that we've played. Well, this one has a real, like, frantic kind of party game kind of energy that I really appreciated. Like, it's one of those games where you're not entirely sure where you are or what you're doing it all the time, but the tracks are simplified enough that you can find it pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, and part of the the chaos is part of the charm. Yes. Um, I could have done with just sharper presentation, brighter colors. Like, this looks very muddy and washed out for some reason. Like... This should be just like this big, goofy, brightly colored candy party. Yeah. And uh, they're going for some kind of weird attitude sort of thing <laughs> with it, like making it a little dark and the grimy. Ba- yeah, I mean, the backgrounds have no personality here. No. It's just a solid color of fog, basically. Yeah, and some sections, like when you're in the loop, especially in multiplayer, you go into a loop, and the loop disappears into the diarrhea brown fog <laughs> in the background, and you think the game might have crashed. So, like... It's got some presentation issues, and I, I would like to see this remade with characters that are actually like cute and likable instead of just a ball of teeth. Yeah, it was very, very weird design. Um, there is quite a few other modes here, though. There is sort of a battle mode, like so. Your core mode is your championship, mm. where you you and up to three other players race. Um, the game will fill it in with bots. Yes. So if you're playing one or two players, it'll add bots, which is and nice. They're brutal. But yeah, it did get it did get pretty hard. Like. I think this is definitely would shine as a four-player game because it's just no fun being beaten by computers. No. Um, they have a battle mode here where um, you sort of go around these tracks and can shoot and whack each other to just pop the balloons, just like Mario Kart. Again, mm-hmm. a very weird takeoff of being mechanically the same as Mario Kart but being on such a different plane and style. Yeah. Um, and then there's versus mode where you just play without bots and you can... Sp- pick your level specifically. And then one thing that I thought was neat was kind of a make your own championship mode where you go through all of the different cups and you can pick any of the 10 tracks from them and create sort of a mix and set list of uh, 10 tracks to play through. That's a so, fun idea. Like that would be a fun thing to have in the earlier Mario Kart games. Yes, you know? exactly. Like, yeah. One thing that is kind of bullshit though is all the tracks are just called like track one, track two. And so it's very hard to remember which ones which, you like, like. They get names when you're in the track itself. Yeah. Like it'll tell you what the, it's usually some kind of goofy pun, which is up my alley. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't give you that kind of indication and they need from to, the outside. And they need to like switch and show you like a little camera angle of like, this is what this one is just to remind you like a little fly through or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. All in all, like I had a good time playing this game and I think that a lot of that comes from just not really knowing much of what to expect. Yeah. This is definitely one that if I, I would break out at a party because it has the advantage of being fun and accessible and I'm guessing very few people have played it. So yes. everyone's going to be on even footing. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how this would go over in like a group setting mm-hmm. because the franticness would be a selling point, but it is a little confusing, a little outdated. And I don't know about its longevity. Oh, like, yeah. I don't I don't think this would hold my interest for a super long time. No, I agree with that. But I do enjoy what's here. Like this was kind of a cool little surprise of a game. Yep. Um, let's move on to our last one, which was a less cool surprise. <laughs> uh, it was called Rat Attack. It was released August 31st, 1999, developed by Pure Entertainment and published by Mindscape. And this was also released on the PlayStation and Windows. So first of all, it should be noted that the Rat Attack page on Wikipedia is astonishingly long and detailed. <laughs> so somebody really cares about this game. I wager it would take you longer to read this Wikipedia page than to beat the entire game. <laughs> um, yeah, someone really cares about it. Uh, I would also encourage you to Google the cover art for this game because it is indecipherable. Like, it is, it's maybe the least appealing cover on the entire Nintendo 64. Like... I had to look at it for a good couple of minutes to really figure out what I'm seeing. And the game itself does not have an unappealing style. Oh, wow. Weird. Why? It's like... 
yeah, the box art is just super sort of uh, shaken. It looks like it looks, it looks like they paint, but the person who painted it like had the shakes. It looks gray, and then once you finally make out that one of these figures is a cat, like he's he's got this plasticine sheen on him, like he's a motorcycle helmet. And then, like, you can barely see the rats. You don't know if you're in a kitchen or a living room or, like, you have no idea where you are. And basically, if you want to not sell your game, this is the cover you want to put on it because <laughs> yeah. it just looks like nothing. Uh, so, yeah, like the like I said, I mean, the game itself, I kind of liked the cartoony vibes. I liked the design of the cats and of the rats and everything like that. But it is, this is not conveyed well on the cover at all. I mean, one thing that you have going for it is that you play as a cat, which is always a selling point for people who love cats, a.k.a. Yeah. Cool people. Cool people. They're all red. <laughs> a little bit about Pure Entertainment. A uh, Google search for Pure Entertainment turns up some luxury concierge services and uh, a couple of things that I suspect are escorts. Okay. So uh, they, maybe they don't Google to, it. They have to code word them. But the Pure Entertainment that made this game only made one other title and is the beloved all-time classic PC game, Tennis Antics. <laughs> Everyone's favorite That's a great game. name. Oh, look at these antics. Yeah. McEnroe with his antics again. Oh. That's it. This is what they're going to rename the U.S. Open. Yeah. U.S. Tennis Antics. U.S. Tennis Antics. Uh, so Mindscape, you might be more familiar with. They were a French publisher that's probably best known for their trilogy of point-and-click adventure games, including Shadowgate, Deja Vu, oh, and yeah. Uninvited, which we talked about in a previous episode. This company was super prolific on the NES and the Super NES, and they did a lot of... Uh, ports and a lot of games based on other properties so like mad max terminator indiana jones paperboy sim earth and then many others so mindscape was acquired by the learning company shortly before rat attacks release and this would prove to be their last original game their last game period was a pc port of the game billy hatcher and the giant egg in 2006 oh i did not know that had a pc that's, port that's a bad way to go out yeah. <laughs> okay uh, so yes, this game has a story, and it is straight bonkers. So uh, <laughs> in the 1960s, two lab rats called Washington and Jefferson were sent into space as part of a laboratory experiment. Uh, their ship went missing, and they were presumed lost. But 40 years later, lost. the ship <laughs> returns, and the rats have developed genius-level intelligence and the psychic ability to control the world's rat population. Ah, okay. So they're angry at having been abandoned in space, and so now they are plotting to overthrow... Uh, the planet basically. Sure. And so they're going to uh, do this by eating lava lamps and cactuses. If, yeah, one cactus at a time until they destroy the world. So in response to this threat, the world's most elite cat warriors <laughs> band together to form the, the Scratch Cats, Cats uh, which is a special team dedicated to eradicating the robot threat. Under the leadership of the brilliant cat professor Rex Julius, the <laughs> cats must defeat the rodents and save the world. So you get a pretty large this variety of cats awesome, here. This game sounds awesome, Steve. Right? I'm, I'm all in. That's None of this is conveyed no. in-game at all. Uh, you get to choose from a, a decent selection of cats here. There's Newton, the robot cat, Bob Cat, the boxer, High Jinx, the ninja, Sparky, the magician, Manx, the tough guy, Muffy DuPont, the French burglar, and Smokey, the laser cat. And, and you can also eventually unlock Pearl, who has roller skates, and Atomicat, who is a radioactive cat that is exclusive to the N64, the PS1 version gets an exclusive Egyptian cat named Banubis. Okay. So, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have this sort of selection here, but again, like you said, none of this sort of comes through. They're just sort of different color cats. They it's, do have different stats on them, like uh, yeah. some will have, like, they have different stats based on their speed, the size of their uh, lasso radius, trap radius, and their uh, claw. claw strength, Yeah. Um, which... Again, doesn't really come across except for the lasso thing. All right, but let's talk about this gameplay because it's. I'm having a hard time thinking of anything to compare this yeah, to. Yeah, all three games that we played this week are, are kind of strange. Yeah. Own, right. Um, so basically, you're you're one of these cats. It's, again, another, another sort of isometric top-down view. Yes, you're dropped into uh, a blank-looking room. Looks like one of the rooms in the Powerpuff Girls game. Yeah. Randomly, that's what it reminded Which me of. never good. Never good. And you are charged with uh, eliminating a certain number of rats per level before you're allowed to leave. And the way you do this is you press and hold your A button to draw a square on the ground. Yeah, that follows you as you move. Yes. And then uh, you have a certain radius on this square, depending on which character you have. Uh, a rat will wander into this trap. And once the, you have multiple rats in your trap, you take them over to another little pad in the room that's called uh, the, destroyer. the destroyer pad. Your your lasso thing is called an eradicator. <laughs> and then you take them to the destroyer pad and you get points based on how many rats you kill at a time. You get bonuses for killing multiple at a time. 
if you get bumped into at any point, you lose all your rats, there and you also trap. get a little claw swipe attack to kind of stun a rat before you uh, to make it, it. easier. Because basically, when you lay that trap, you're sort of hoping that the rat is going to walk into it accidentally or yeah. something like that. It also just I don't want to get too sort of in the weeds here, but. You're playing as cats. Yeah. Why, why do you have to have some futuristic, like, square trap? Like, cats, you know, cats can handle rats on their own. Like, this is a known it's one fact. one of their things that yeah. they do, you know? They, I, as far as I know, like, if, if my cat goes and catches a rat, he doesn't do it with some kind of weird square tr- my MS paint trap behind him. It's true, but he also doesn't have a tough guy Bronx accent. That hey, man. Yeah, but, you, you, know. you haven't hung out with my cat enough. Uh, not alone, apparently. Hey, hey, yeah, I'm yeah. sleeping here. Come hey, on. Come on. Come on. What you doing? I'm yeah. in that box. What are yeah. you talking about? <gasps> yeah, I don't think that's Bronx. I don't know. <laughs> no. I can't. I can't. That's, the, that's the only New York accent that we my do. My accent work is not very accurate by Burrow. Well, I tried. Your, your uh, yeah. Howie Mandel accent was perfect. I nailed that yeah. one. Nailed that one. Uh, th- this is a game that sort of has... This is like a game that has no place because... It's like a last gasp of something that would have existed on your browser. Like, it's like yeah. the, the amount of complexity here is like this would be a okay phone game or this would be cool on your browser. But to play it as like a $60 full release, there's just a giant, giant sense of, is this it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it just feels very, it's like the elf, elf bowling equivalent of this feeling of like, man, somebody put work into this and there's just so little here. And like, most of the aspects of this game I don't think are terrible. No. Like, it's, I it, I really, there's a couple of things here that I really like. Like, I like playing as a cat. That's really cute. Yeah. And I really like games where the environment is very shrunk down. Yeah. Like, you're sort of, like, your whole level is the this room of a house. And, like, the, the refrigerator is very big. Um, like, it's that level in Snowboard Kids 2 where you get shrunk down and are racing through someone's kitchen or in Toy Story games. Um, I like that aesthetic a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you get some interesting sort of frantic puzzle interactions of, like, trying to quickly stun the mice and collect collect a lot. It's like a risk versus reward because if you have four of them in kind of this... I don't, the trap is not well explained. Like, you catch them in this trap, and they kind of look like they just incinerate. Yeah. And they, they're totally removed from the screen. You're like, oh, they're dead. But you don't actually get rid of them until you walk them to this other pad. And if someone hits you in the interim, you, all the rats sort of drop out of your void. Like, I don't know where these rats are hanging out. It's kind of a Ghostbusters of idea, yeah. where, like, you're you're depositing your traps into, like, some kind of Yeah, that's a good subspace. comparison. Yeah. It's not very clear. I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I don't mind the look of it. I look If you look at the cats in this, you get kind of an idea of maybe what they were going for with Paperboy. Okay. Like, you could see, like, all right, maybe if, if they had another couple layers of polish, they would. this is what Paperboy would look like. And it's not, like, a bad look. It no. looks very cartoony, the and that's, s- it The sound it. is very annoying. I very mean, the rats annoying. are just squeaking constantly. Mm. And um, then when it gets into the multiplayer modes, when everybody's bumping into each other and there's more rats and traps and noises going off, it's cacophonous. Yeah, I mean, this seemed like a game where I was kind of excited once we had played the single player and it was just a sort of resounding sense of meh. Yeah, I was yeah. like, well, maybe the multiplayer has something here because, again, key to good multiplayer is, like, simple to play and clean and intuitive. And the problem with the multiplayer is the camera is constantly sort of stretching and shaking to try and accommodate following multiple cats at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't split. Um, you're all, and so the end result is it's zoomed out and you just, it's so hard to tell what the hell's going on. It is. It is worth noting weirdly that all three of the games we played today are essentially three button games. Like hmm. they're all very simple, um, which is, I mean, to their benefit, because yeah. if you have to have a weird, hard to sell concept, like any of these games, you want them to be at least simple to pick up. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's also worth noting that all three of these games today, I made a list of all the games that sold less than a hundred thousand units on the N64. These were all on there. All three. Rat Attack is actually the third lowest grossing game on the system. Well, lowest selling, I should okay. say. Like I can't imagine. Well, this they, was they sold each copy for two hundred dollars. So yeah, it, you it, know, it grows very high. It's that's what I say. Like like eighty thousand for Wetrix, twenty thousand for Rat Attack. They probably made some money, even if the sales were technically this low. This really feels like the work of like one person could have done this between editing the Wikipedia for it in his spare time. It feels like a like, student project more yeah. than anything like like if you're you're 
first semester at full sale or something, you know, like, yeah, it, definitely. Like we were talking about Wetrix is like a proof of concept of like water physics that kind yeah. of failed. This is like a proof of concept of, look, I know how to program. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Hi, hire me to work at your company. I program this game rat attack. It's like, oh, well, this is very technically a game. You're hired. <laughs> yeah, Welcome. Exactly. You've proved your concept. Yeah. After a while, this game, it's just kind of like, I don't think it's like offensively terrible i guess i it's just it's close it's just baffling that it exists and it doesn't really offer anything of value right correct which it's, is, it's just a game that has no place in a 60 dollar card or 50 dollar cartridge yeah it's, yeah i don't i mean i can't i don't know what it, it retailed it, for it, at the time it's but a like, fi- it's a it would be a five dollar sort of we wear title or something like at, that at the very it, yeah at the very most but it's really not worth mentioning, and you can be forgiven for being a massive N64 fan and never having heard of a game called Rat Attack. Like, you have to kind of track it down. It's not like rare, it's not like valuable rare, but it's scarce. You know, yeah. it's hard to track it down. I guess people who bought it really loved it and held on to it. <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, and it's. The- it is a four-player game where you can play it, where you all play as cats. Yeah. So, take, if, you know, everything where the main characters are cats has been successful in 2020, so. Is there anything else that has a, a cat main character on the N64? Oh, I was, uh, I was, I was just think. thinking of Cats, the movie. Cats, the movie. Yeah. Robo, uh, Gato Robato. The, yeah. That's a fun game. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Cat Quest is another game that I have not played. I just yeah. see it at the library a lot. Yeah. Anyway, again, we're talking about other games, yeah. and so that means we have nothing else to say about Rat well, Attack. Are you, I, I, or do well, you have anything else? Yeah, I, I, I do think it's weird that there is this long backstory about, like, space rats and things like that, and there's just no sort of weird sci-fi aspects that come through. It really does feel like, aside from the weird sort of trapping mechanic, it could almost, you just play as a cat and you kill, kill rats. Like, Well, I guess once in a while, you like there'll be a little pad on the ground that'll turn the rat into a super rat. That's true, or, or like, like a teleporter. There's a teleporter, there's switches that'll like activate traps in the room, but they never really feel very impactful, um, anything that you're doing. Uh, yeah, and, it's weird. this game is sort of a weird mix of like, it kind of wants to be a puzzle game, but the action is a little too frantic to actually do anything strategic. Yeah, and I mean, if a super rat bumps into you, it's the same as a regular rat bumping into you, you're gonna lose your rats. Like, it doesn't really matter <laughs> if it's a super rat or not so yeah not not worth playing but you know we played it damn it <laughs> yeah that's that well that's we could rename this podcast not worth playing there we but. go there we go uh well let's find out where these rank on our overall list of games so oh my one God. two and three one two I'm, three yeah. easily yeah very the very best um so we are quite a bit into how many games are we at right now we are at 262 goodness me we are getting very close to the end here do you want to start us yeah, off I'll yeah i'll start us off this time um Wetrix was a weird game. I these games are all sort of characterized by me just kind of being confused. Yeah, and like, and Iggy's was kind of in a fun way. Um, Wetrix was not in a fun way. No, it took us a long time to figure it out, and then I was yeah. Then it was like, oh, this is kind of frustrating. Uh, I'm putting it at number one sixty seven, which is right above Command and Conquer. Okay, if you're really enthusiastic about puzzle games, like it might be an interesting one to check out because it does have different puzzle game mechanics than any other puzzle game. Like, yeah. So many puzzle games are derivative, like match these colors and things like that. And this one, it does do its weird own thing, but I'm not crazy about that. Yeah. Weird thing. I like Diggy's Wrecking Balls a lot. I think it would be fun as a four player game. Um, I'm putting it number 91, hmm. which is uh, right below uh, Kobe Bryant's courtside um, above army men, air combat, another fun multiplayer game. I think if you are digging through the N64 catalog and like, springing weird uh weird multiplayer games on people this is a good one to go to yeah yeah um, rat attack was bad i mean that's not gonna it's... surprise anyone um i'm gonna put it at number 193 which is right below war gods that's a good it's, that's yeah. a good place for it yeah I'm, I'm going even lower with rat attack that was number 244 for oh, me. Oh, goodness me. Which puts it underneath Chopper Attack. I think I would rather play Chopper Ooh, Attack man. than play this one. because What it's about just... cho- Rat Chopper Attack? Ooh. Or cho- Chopper Rat Attack? Chopper Rat? Yeah, I'd play Chopper <laughs> Rat. Yeah, absolutely. It's your job to save your failing butchery. You're out, of ca- <laughs> you're out of beef, so you need to catch the rats in the nearby wall and sell them to the local restaurant. <laughs> Arby's is running low. Yeah. No. Um, so uh, for today's wet- episode of Ultra 64 brought to you by Arby's. Oh, shit. <laughs> Try that horsey sauce. Yeah. Anyway, um, your Wetrix. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't crazy about Wetrix either. It kind of falls in that weird little zone of like, 
The Glover I, zone. The Glover zone. It's less than the Glover zone because uh, Glover makes a better case for its existence yeah. than Wetrix does. This is going 192 for me, which is right underneath Charlie Blast's territory. It's very, it's which, very Charlie Blast territory themed. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, I agree. Iggy was my favorite out of all of these. I'm putting it in a similar place as you. It's going to be number 95. Nice. That's just under the Space Station Silicon Valley and just above the fishing games that we played. Cool. So. Yeah, Iggy's was clever. It was clever. Um, I, I liked it a lot. Um, so yeah, we have a couple of letters nice. to kick us off here. Keep today. sending these letters, guys. There's so much I'm so much more excited them. about the letters than the games we play. <laughs> <laughs> Some days. Some yeah. days. Yeah, it's just exciting to have letters. Uh today this one starts Dear Ultra 64. I discovered your show last fall while I was training for a marathon. Every week during my long run, I'd listen to your new episodes. I ran my man- marathon in January and loved it, hoping to make marathon running a permanent part of my life. Wow. But soon I got injured and found out I might not be able to run again. After six months of physical therapy and essentially having to stay off my feet, the orthopedist cleared me for running again. Yay. I went for my first long run a few weeks ago, three miles, but it felt great. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, I, I can run one mile and it does not feel great. So yeah, definitely good for you. Uh, while I never stopped listening to the show, it was great to hear your voices in that setting again. Your episode for that week was Banjo-Tooie, and you guys made a great point about that game, highlighting why I, and I know I'm in a very small demographic here, enjoy Banjo-Tooie more than Super Mario Odyssey. Huh. In Odyssey, the moon collection becomes so ubiquitous that the moons start to lose any weight or value. Yeah. I found myself losing investment in the game because it started to feel like I was just being given moons for blinking or tying my shoes. <laughs> yeah. Those damn jiggies in Banjo-Tooie are often so hard to collect, picking one up almost feels like a major accomplishment. Your criticisms of the game are valid, but none of these aspects dim my enjoyment. I played through it several years ago, and I found I actually appreciated it more now than I did almost two decades ago. Nice. Anyway, thank you guys. Uh, great to hear you while I'm on my feet again. Sad you guys are nearly at the end of the N64 library, but I'm excited for whatever comes next. I want the Wii U show. <laughs> Thanks. And that's from Nicholas, a.k.a. the Nick Experiment. Thanks, Nick Experiment. That's so awesome. Now, I'm glad I'm a runner myself, so I'm really glad to hear that you're back on your feet. Yeah. And uh, I hope you follow up with us when you get your next marathon underway. Take your time, of course. Heal up. But, you know, you're, you're doing three-mile runs. That's not nothing. So no, keep it up. No, it's not. Congratulations. That's, I can barely see three miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think that's a great point about uh, Mario Odyssey. There's yeah. definitely a couple of times where you just see a shiny thing and you slam the ground and there's a moon. And you're like, eh, really? Did there I were, earn that moon? There were like, definitely moments where I'm just randomly jumping like I do and there's an invisible one that I find. So yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Do we, do we really need a thousand moons? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The one the, the part about Odyssey that bothers me is that you can go in and buy moons. Like yeah. every store lets you buy a certain Well, it gets amount. wonky. Like I think you just have to. Like those are how you get the final moon. Yeah, you so, just have to save up and buy that. And it yeah. just feels like, I don't know, that's no why, fun to me. Why are these even in here? Yeah. Our next letter starts, hey, Stephen Whitting. Hey. Hello. Uh, a little bit of additional insight on the Rage Wars gray cart thing. Oh, yeah. Though I'm always hesitant to say things as gospel when I was too young to know they were happening, let alone be playing these games and have to write in about not one not working. <laughs> uh, my understanding of the gray cart thing is that, yeah, not a lot of people did play this one, particularly on co-op, particularly that would then write to a claim and be like, hey, what's the deal? Yep. That being said, to handle the few complaints they would get, they still have to print new copies of the game and have them on hand. But in case of colored cart, in the case of the colored cartridges, Nintendo would have had a minimum order of, I want to say, 50,000 carts, far more than a claim would bother to order to address this problem. That makes sense. Hence, they come in gray much like some other games with rare or not rare gray variants like Aiden Chronicles or Bassmasters 2000. Okay. For a time several years ago, these copies could be purchased for something like $180 or so from someone who found a claims backstock in a warehouse, which I assume has long since dried up. <laughs> Lastly, they only printed cartridges that they'd send to you in cellophane as opposed to THQ and their WWF No Mercy bug fix cartridges who sent you a whole fresh copy of the game. My complete inbox, bug fixed, no mercy is one of my crown jewels of my 64 <laughs> collection. Looking forward to the rest of your library. I am currently playing the full library on my YouTube channel oh. at How to Lose at Video Games, which I would love if you would check out. And that we, is we from will. Derek. I will, will check Derek. that out. How to Lose at Video Games. How to Lose at Video Games. I know. I already know. I'm <laughs> yeah, really Steve good at it. Steve is an expert at that. I'm so good at it. Well, Did thanks. I tell you I just learned how to manual? Yeah, yeah, thanks for that info, Derek. Like, that's really sort of cool, in-depth stuff that, yeah. is, that is pretty deep in there. And variant collecting is never something I've gotten too terribly deep into. So, like, that's interesting to hear. And, like, for the most part, they're not terribly rare. Like, certain, like the Grey Car Aiden Chronicles isn't, like, a mm. terribly rare game. But, like, the, the Turok Rage Wars is quite rare. So, yeah, worth noting. 
And we have one letter, one more letter here. Hi, Steve, Woody, and guest. A guess I have never gotten correctly. <laughs> well, <laughs> Still your haven't. streak continues. Keeping it going. Uh, I've just listened to your Rage Wars episode, and I'm really happy that more people had fun with this game. We yeah. did have fun with that we game. We did. That's a good game. Uh, my favorite character was the group of mites that you could unlock oh, and spit yeah. acid. Oh, yeah. forgot about that. Said they would be a group of weird demon teddies if you put a bot on hard mode. So that's cool to know. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, I think I would have rated the game higher than you guys, but I've never tried to rank every single N64 game, so I probably <laughs> would end up with a similar rating in the long run. I know you guys don't usually talk about current game news, but I wanted to know what you think of the Mario 3D All-Stars game and if you plan on getting it. Thanks for doing what you do. Stay safe. And that is from Peter. Thanks, Peter. Hey, Peter. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the big Nintendo news of the week is that uh, Nintendo announced it's going to be an All-Stars 3D collection with Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy all coming for the Switch. Yeah. But the weird thing that they're doing is that they're making the game available only in limited quantities and only until March of 2021. Yeah, this includes a physical copy. That's a physical copy and a downloadable copy. Like, they'll take them off the servers. So, like, that's a weird choice because you just know it, like, it's going to be the same thing as with the NES Classic where they, they manufactured... Too small of an amount. People yeah. got upset. They had to wait for a year, and then they released them again. But lots of people are going to snatch the early copies of this, assuming it's going to be a collector's item. Yeah. Chances are it probably won't. There, there was this was a similar thing. They, I mean, they released a game I think on the Wii of Super Mario All Stars re-release. Yeah, um, and I think that was in limited edition for a little bit, and then they re-released it later. Right. So. Yeah, and and people were kind of upset about that. So I think it's going to be kind of a similar tack. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm probably still going to get it um, because yeah, th- mm-hmm. these are these are my jam. These are exactly for me, and being able to carry these around uh, on a handheld platform would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I mean I, I will say uh, for what it's worth, like I've played Super Mario 64 a bunch of times. I don't feel like a strong need to play through it again, even though I think it's the best game on the collection. I don't like Super Mario Sunshine and Super Mario Galaxy is great, but I would rather play Super Mario Galaxy two. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of baffling they did include Mario Galaxy 2 on here as well. And yeah. I don't know. I, I always am very hesitant to things that I feel sort of obligated to buy. Like, I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily excited about any of those so much as I'm like, well, it's a Mario thing. I should buy it. And I definitely feel like a lot of pushback, especially because of this kind of sleazy, sleazy feel of that limited release window so i i hopefully will have the willpower to stick out on not buy it yeah yeah here's hoping though though, i mean i'm a big fan like i don't think them re-releasing these for the switch for 60 dollars is a bad idea by any means i think it's a good product and i wish that i wish that there were more games on it frankly like they they could easily fit more in there uh, well, that is all the letters for this week. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. You can get us at ultra64podcast at gmail.com, or you can send a message through our website, ultra64podcast. Be sure to leave your name if you send it through the website. Otherwise, I won't know how to thank you. Yeah. Um, so thank you, everybody, so much for listening. You can find all of our stuff at Ultra64 and all the different social media outlets. Next week, what are we playing? Okay, we are playing... A little game that we're going to have to find a way to figure out how to do this, but uh, okay. we are slated to play Mario Party 3. Okay. We're finally closing out the Mario Party trilogy. I have some ideas of how we can we'll get we'll the make, gang together we'll for this. We'll make it happen. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and figure out a way to get some local, socially distant multiplayer that we can get going for you guys, and we'll bring uh, Dan and Rosie and Nicole back on to talk about it. Nice. So uh, we, until then, uh, we will leave you guys to uh, wreck some balls and, and, and shape some terrain, and what's the third game? Catch Rats? Yeah, what, man, what weird games. Weird-ass games, yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>